You may recall that I've raised this point before, but in the absence of an explanation, not just vague assurances, you'll keep hearing it. There's no audit trail that shows how Uttlesford's population growth and housing need forecasts have been derived. The result appears to ignore the longer-term historical trend that points to a much lower need for houses than you are now planning. Uttlesford's population growth over the last three decades, between censuses, has been 8%, 4% and 15%. The recent spurt between 2001 and 2011 was due to an exceptional period of house building, approved in the 1990s to meet the anticipated need that would arise from Stansted Airport's expansion. You are now planning for the number of dwellings to grow at the rate of 17% per decade, much higher than historical trends and higher than almost anywhere else in England. Whatever may be your motivation, it seems to pay little regard to the well-being of the district or the wishes of your electorate. Thank you very much. Um, in terms of the first part, uh, obviously the Regulation 18 uh, consultation is, is, is a real consultation, as Councillor Barker will illustrate later. Your second part around numbers, uh, I'll make the same comment and then ask Mr Harborough to comment um, that I made to PPWG. We absolutely have taken your point seriously in terms of re-examining and, and, and uh, recalibrating and rechecking. Um, I mean, the fact that the numbers haven't changed doesn't mean that we haven't listened to your point. Mr. Harbour, do you want to elaborate on that? Yes, um, thank you, thank you, Chairman. Um, sorry, reorganise myself. Yes, I, I think it's it's fair to say, and it's been said before, that the consultants who we've commissioned to undertake the population projections uh, are nationally recognised. Um, their work has been approved and endorsed by both um, planning appeal and local plan inquiry inspectors. Uh, as to independence uh, examination of their work. We have had the planning inspectorate in and the planning advisory service in and our retained QC in, all of which uh, chairmen have um, supported the work that they have undertaken and the proposed housing figure to meet in the plan. Councillor Beadle. Good evening. Good evening, Chairman. Good evening, Councillors. Good evening to the officers. David Beadle, Councillor for Great Dunmo Town Council, member of the steering group for the Great Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan. This took four years to produce, four years of evidence gathering, research and public consultation. The first in Uttlesford. In fact, we are the first town in the whole of Essex. We object to the draft local plan site, Policy Great Dunmo 4, page 185186, allocation of 60 dwellings, land south of the B1256, Stalford Road and west of Butley's Lane, Dunmo. It conflicts with one of the most important policies in the neighbourhood plan, which is the town development area, DS, Policy DS1. This policy was justified as public consultation revealed a very strong local commitment to the rural setting of the town, therefore a high local priority to the constraint of urban sprawl which would destroy this rural setting and lead to encroachment into the surrounding countryside and emerging with neighbouring settlements. When inspecting the neighbourhood plan, the independent examiner stated there was a robust evidence base all statutory consultees had been consulted, including local landowners. The public consultation process represented a very substantial commitment to ensuring that the issues of concern were addressed. The neighbourhood plan had been positively prepared, recognising the need for new development, but ensuring that it, it is delivered in a way that will be sustainable and contribute to rather than harm quality of life in the town. You supported and approved the neighbourhood plan and its subsequent past independent examination and received an overwhelming yes vote from residents in the referendum. 
To leave this site allocation in the local plan would be evidence of a developer-led decision, would be contrary to legally adopted neighbourhood plan and fly in the face of the wishes of the community. Our second major concern is the inclusion of the Eastern Park as a new settlement. How can a new town be built between an expanding Stansted Airport and the town of Great Dunmo be anything other than an urban sprawl? A development at Eastern Park was rejected in, East, in recent past as being unsustainable even when shops, employment, land, schools were offered. What has changed? The people of Great Dunmo deserve to have the policies in their neighbourhood plan upheld and respected. Finally, can I please confirm that you will be holding local public events during the consultation period so that the residents can have an opportunity to see the draft of local plan and ask questions so that they can be informed and encouraged to respond. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Um, and in answer to your last point, uh, yes, uh, there will be uh, public exhibitions as well as um, um, <coughs> public meetings and, um, um, and obviously the opportunity to, to respond in the usual way to the consultation, whether as an individual or as an organisation. Um, I should qualify that. Public meetings will be in the form of exhibitions, uh, but they will be interactive. Um, uh, I'll let Councillor Barker deal with Eastern Park, um, but in terms of the particular site that you refer to, um, I mean this is the very point obviously of a Regulation 18 consultation. We, notwithstanding uh, the earlier comments from Mr MacDonald, uh, believe that we have some clarity around the numbers um, and uh, therefore we have got to find sites. now. If site A is not appropriate and there is a site B um, and this doesn't disturb the numbers, uh, then clearly that is absolutely the point of a consultation. So I very much encourage um, your council and others to make that point, which will be given very careful consideration. But the bottom line is, uh, at the end of the process, we have got to come back to 6,100 houses. And having just come back from the LGA conference where the Secretary of State for um, DCLG spoke, um, he absolutely re-emphasised the whole point of building houses, understandably. It's a pressing social need. Um, and he did actually talk, talk about a, a new consultation in around numbers. So I think the quicker we get on with ours so that we don't have our numbers ramped up again, um, the better for us. But thank you. Okay, I now call upon Councillor Barker uh, to... Um, talk on the draft local plan item 5. Thank you Chairman. Uh, Chairman, I'm presenting tonight the Regulation 18 local plan with the recommendation that we approve this to go to Council on July the 11th for Council to approve the consultation. My first job must be to thank the officers for the tremendous amount of work that has gone into getting us to this stage. Anyone who has followed this process will be aware of the large number of studies and background information that has to be gathered and interrogated before recommendations can come forwards. There are three main parts to the consultation. The housing allocations, the employment allocations, and the development management policies. And this Regulation 18 consultation is the opportunity for everyone to comment on these. In March 2016, this council agreed that it would consider a new settlement or settlements as a potential way of delivering its housing numbers. And this option has become a reality in the draft plan. Our housing numbers have been determined using 2014 data and this leads to a total of 14,100 new homes across the district in the plan period spanning 2011 to 2033. Whilst far higher than previously anticipated, the requirement to use this latest ORS data has been cited in the inspectors' early comments on the East Hearts local plan and also recommended to us by planning inspectors and retained council. Our neighbours in East Hearts, in Braintree and in South Cams all have higher numbers to deliver, although ours are challenging in percentage terms from our base population. Chairman, these houses are not just houses, they are homes. They are homes for our children and their children and those of our friends and neighbours for years to come. During the first five years of our plan period from 2011 to March 16, 2,468 new dwellings were completed, almost 500 a year. On top, of these plan on top of this, planning permissions as of March 2016 had been granted for a further 4,013 dwellings. On top of these numbers, the Council has built in a windfall allowance of 70 homes a year, which will account for a further 1,190 homes in the remaining part of the plan period. 
A windfall is normally classed as a development of 10 or less homes. Once these are added up, we are left with sites for a further 5,926 homes. Policy SP3 sets out where these sites are proposed. Some of these sites may already have received planning permission since April 2016, and some are already building sites. In summary, since 2016, there are further 40 homes proposed in Elsenham, 31 in Great Chesterford, 62 in Stansted, 42 in Takeley, 54 in Thaxted, and 44 in other smaller villages. In the larger towns, 240 are proposed in Saffron Walden, and 743 in Great Dunmo, which mainly accord with the made neighbourhood plan. Seven large-scale sites were put forwards, but for good planning reasons, four of the sites were not taken forwards in this plan. Birch Hanger within the Metropolitan Greenbelt, Takeley Priors Green sits within the Countryside Protection Zone and has access issues onto the A120. Chelmer Mead also has access issues onto the A120, and at a level of 3,000 units in total, is not considered sustainable as a garden community. It also impacts on the historic settlement of Little Dunmo and causes coalescence with Flitch Green. Elsenham has had applications rejected and there are transport issues connected to the proposal. The balance of the supply is therefore planned to be, within the plan period, 1,800 in Eastern Park as a part of a proposed new garden community of up to 10,000 homes, 1,900 in North Uttlesford, again as part of a smaller garden community of around 5,000 homes, and 970 on sites adjacent to the Braintree border, close to Stepping Green, as part of a garden community in conjunction with Braintree District Council. These garden communities have the capacity to grow to 10,000 at Eastern Park, to 10,000 across the Braintree border, and to 5,000 in North Uttlesford. But I must stress that their capacity to deliver within the plan period is 1,800, 1,900, and 970 respectively. In proposing three settlements, the officers have considered the rate at which houses will be built and the delay that there will be before building commences. It is their professional view that we need all three sites to present a robust plan that delivers during the plan period and looks beyond it too. The officers calculate that a build rate of between 150 and 175 is realistic from 2021-22. All these allocations, whether new settlements or town and village homes, will result in infrastructure needs in terms of schools, water supply and disposal, health facilities, open areas for recreation, broadband and connectivity through our phones. We need to build homes that people want to live in. We want communities which deliver excellent education for the next generation, alongside local services, shops, allotments, shared sport and community and library space for schools and the public. And of course the road and the rail network will come under increasing pressure. <clears throat> the highway study presented to members recently and considered at the Planning Policy Working Group on June the 22nd highlighted the need for a number of junction improvements in Saffron Walden along with measures along the Peasons Road corridor to improve traffic flow and air quality. At each of the new settlement proposals, junction and road improvements will be needed to be provided by the developers and at Junction 8 where short-term improvements are planned Developments of all kinds will need to contribute to a long-term solution. Chairman, in order to minimise travel, we also need to deliver employment sites within the district. 14,600 jobs are planned within the plan period, and the existing employment allocations are included in the consultation, along with the space requirements for office and industrial sites. Major sites such as Trisail, an allocation of 43 hectares of land on the north side of Stansted, close to the strategic network, and Chesterford Research Park, as well as employment opportunities in new schools, care homes and retail outlets, will help deliver homegrown jobs. Thirdly, Chairman, the policies, which are the rules by which officers consider all applications. These have virtually all changed since the last local plan to reflect the MPPF, and we will welcome comments on these. Chairman, I do not believe that anyone in this room three years ago would imagine that we would be looking at a housing allocation of 640 homes a year but we have to face the fact that we are and have a plan that can deliver against that target. I believe that this plan can do this and recommend that Cabinet agrees the plan to go forward with Council. I'm happy to take any questions, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Parker. And just to remind everybody uh, that uh, obviously this plan has been through the Planning Policy Working Group. A number of members uh, around this table uh, were, are in that group uh, or attended the meeting. Um, so uh, it is... Um, 
as you say, for Cabinet, uh, that Cabinet recommend to Council that the draft local plan be published in accordance with Regulation 18 of the Town and Country Planning brackets, Local Planning brackets, England Regulations 2012. Uh, that is the recommendation being put forward. Um, there, are two, there are two key points. One is that uh, as a consequence of the planning policy working group meeting, there is a schedule of changes which I hope everybody has digested. Um, they were particularly pertinent uh, uh, around uh, um, Stansted Airport and the change uh, to permitted capacity um, uh, as, as, as opposed to general capacity. So, the, um, you're taking those into account as, as well. And the second uh, point I'd like to make is that recommendation four uh, will not is being withdrawn. Uh, recommendation four is that Cabinet authorises the Director of Public Services in consultation with the Portfolio Holder for Environmental Services to make minor amendments to the plan following Regulation 18 consultation and prior to publication under Regulation 19. Now, whilst this was um, set out for minor amendments, wording amendments, etc., it could be misunderstood uh, that there will only be minor amendments to Regulation 18. Uh, there might be minor amendments, but there might not. So we're not going to put anything in that uh, prejudice the discussion either way. So um, you're just talking about recommendation three that both uh, Councillor Barker and I have read out. Okay, colleagues. Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I've got quite a few things I want to say. I'm not going to do them all this evening because I'll get another chance next week. But just one point on um, page 59, policy H6. Um, it says developments on sites of 11 dwellings or more will, will be required to provide 40% affordable housing. Um, have we changed our uh, policy? Because at the moment it's 15 or more. So is that a mistake or are we actually lowering the number? I, um, that's just a minor... Uh, well, it's great for me as a housing member, but not so great um, for... The developers, but bring it on is what I say. Um, well, let's, let's take it one at a time, otherwise, uh, so does Mr. Harper or Mr. Fox want to comment on that? Yes, I can confirm it's both changed the policy. Changed the policy. Excellent. Okay. Good. Yeah, Thank you. Website, yeah. Um, and I would just like to make it clear or for me to completely understand that I'm here to support us going to Regulation 18 and that I'm not supporting, I'm, I'm supporting a consultation on Regulation 18, the draft plan. I'm not supporting the plan as it stands because I've got a lot of issues and I, when it gets to Regulation 19, I hope they'll all be overcome. So happy to support going to Regulation 18, but I want it made clear that I'm not supporting the plan as was just worded. There's a few points I'd like to make. Um, I've actually got quite a lot, but um, as far as uh, Great Chesterford is concerned, um, I think it's unreasonable for us to be considered to be um, a key village when actually we've got a single settlement um, in our parish. So I think I would prefer us to be moved down to a Taipei village or something similar because it makes us very vulnerable to further development and I just don't think that's appropriate given that we have got um, one of the large settlements in our parish. So I'd like to ask that that be changed. Um, I'm not asking for an answer now, I'm just putting it out there. Um, also, uh, if this is going, as I say, I'm, I'm not supporting it at the moment, but if it was going to be going forward, I would want to see that the, the actual village of Great Chesterford has um, proper protection from a new settlement, that the maybe um, protected green space, I'd say, from the village of Great Chesterford up to uh, Stumps Cross because that's in the same ownership as the proposed settlement so it is within their gift to do that but I think the village should have a green belt around it um, to protect it from further development because in this we're saying we've had 31 houses in actual fact we've had a we've had with all the housing we'll have had a 27% increase on the size of the existing village in this plan period and with the single settlement, I don't think that's... Um, I think the 31 is future development. It, it, the figures uh, within I the report show no, about I, 100 already. I, I absolutely... Yeah. I understand what the numbers are. I, I absolutely do understand. I just want to be make it absolutely clear that I will 
that I think that the village of Great Chesterford should be protected should this go forward. Um, I'd also like to say that um, half a kilometre, 500 metres of uh, protection between us and the new settlement, as I said, at Planning Policy Working Group, is just is is. Uh, really I, I just don't think is appropriate it's what, nowhere near enough it needs to be pushed further up the up the hill and into the valley and I am concerned about the um, historic la historic environment and particularly concerned about the landscape because this is up, up a hill and it couldn't be more visual from um, the village of Great Chesterford so I, I, that, I think it's absolutely imperative that we have um, proper screening and that it is moved away from from the village um, I'd also like to say that we would like to see um, access, the main access that comes towards the village that should come down Field Farm Drive and not down Park Road because that will cause Great Chesterford to become a rabbit run, a rat run <laughs> through to the station and motorway as it would do for um, the villages of Inkleton and Hinkston as well. Um, I also think that we need to include a dedicated and regular bus service to Whittlesford Station, um, possibly Whittlesford and Audien, because you cannot take a bus through, uh, there's nowhere to take a bus to uh, Great Chesterford Station. Um, and then, as I say, I've got loads of other things, I'm not going to bring them all up because I know other people want to speak, but... Um, I just don't understand what the mitigation is for Saffron Walden. It says in, in here, it says about taking um, that Saffron Walden is a key place for shopping and that the new settlement won't be. So how are we going to mitigate the transport or the traffic between Saff uh, Saffron Walden and Great Chesterford? Um, the rest of my... I have got lots of other points. I'm not going to bring them all up, but I just think that these are really important points for the parish of Great Chesterford. Thank you. So, thank you, Councillor Redfern. I, I've got hands all around the table. So, um, the next speaker will be Councillor Ranger, then Councillor Foley, then Councillor Howell, then Councillor Lees. So, in that order. But I just make... Um, First of all, obviously, your position is, is noted uh, in, in the minutes, and obviously all your points will be duly followed through. I'd just like to make some generic points to all the three settlements. Um, there is, there, this is a key phase in terms of both, on the one hand, mitigation, your point about 500 metres, uh, whether that's enough and um, how it should um, delineate. And I think there was a, uh, the, one of the public speakers talked about um, the coalescence of Dunmo. Um, so all of these uh, points are crucial uh, because uh, the whole point of a new settlement is that it isn't an extension of, in, of an existing settlement. Um, so uh, mitigation measures are a key part of the next phase. And the other side of, of that uh, um, Analysis, of course, is is, is the benefit, um, uh, particularly to the to the local community. It sort of goes with mitigation, but it is actually a separate point. So the, 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 these are fundamental to all three developments. I'll just make uh, two other very brief points. Uh, so what was also announced um, uh, during the course of the last week at the conference was a 2.3 billion pound housing infrastructure fund, particularly for um, you know key aspects of in infrastructure that are being referred to and will continue to be referred to. Now the the, the new settlements themselves will take care of their own infrastructure but beyond that there is this fund and it's basically whoever applies so clearly uh, we'll be giving that a, 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 a very careful um, focus um, and my final point is that uh, some of you may be aware of the bus services act uh, the opportunity to franchise bus services so this again your points about uh, public transport is key and, and also will be part of the future thank thank you councillor ranger Thank you, Chairman. Firstly, um, getting back to the point of the Cabinet meeting, um, do we need a seconder for the proposal? And if so, I would be pleased to provide that. Um, and I thought the purpose of the meeting was to consider bringing this uh, draft local plan into the Council for uh, Section 8 uh, consultation, um, not a rehearsal for the the uh, consultations that may come out of that consultation. I mean, I could sit here and go through about 300 emails that I've had from residents of the Dumbo area and the Little Eastern area, and 
uh, all of those as concerns for everybody, but I won't be doing that. Um, merely to say I would second the motion. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Foley. It's just a couple of clarifications, and thank you for letting me speak, Chairman. Uh, um, Councillor Beadle did raise a, a, an interesting point about urban sprawl, yeah. and it's been raised uh, uh, with regard to another area. Um, and uh, certainly the having a few hundred yards in the case of, uh, uh, of the other development, a lot less than 500 yards, a couple of hundred yards, uh, surely is a, is a factor that uh, certainly any mitigation in the future would need to uh, look at that very clearly. But I'd just like to uh, also ask one of the reasons that uh, uh, we rejected uh, a site was that it had already had a, a, a planning application rejected um, little uh, Elsnam. Yes. Um, the same, in fact, the same in fact applied to uh, the same area that we're talking about, uh, where the Eastons are, uh, where a, a 700 uh, plan was rejected as well. Just, just to, uh, and some of the. Uh, some of the uh, uh, points that uh, were raised uh, by the inspector will be as relevant today as they were then, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Councillor Parker. Yeah. Um, <coughs> urban sprawl is whatever, and yes, a new settlement at Little Eastern that's being proposed is very close to the Dunmo boundary. The site that was actually rejected by the inspector um, was, has now been offered up by land securities as a potential country park, further adding to a buffer between Dunmo uh, Little Eastern and the new development. Um, the size and scale of the proposals at Little Eastern would overcome some of the issues about sustainability. Another 700 just tacked onto Dunmo, 800 is one thing. This is a new settlement. Um, as I said before, who thought we would be sitting here talking about 640 houses a year? We have to find a way to do it. and. Um, we have to protect the communities that we know and love as much as we can. So I think there is a long way to go before there's a spade in the ground on some of these sites. Councillor Howell. Um, I'm happy to support the recommendation that this goes forward to Council. Um, I endorse it because I think that it is the appropriate draft local plan and we should go out to consultation. And I hope that councillors will collectively support that. I've always believed that it was important that we as a community, the 39 people who are elected by the communities that we represent, should between us try and come up to a, for a, with a solution for what is, let's be honest about it, a most unpalatable and unpleasant problem. Um, I've often thought that actually it's something we may not be able to do, and there have been occasions over this last 10 years where we've struggled with this, where I thought we weren't as a community capable of doing that. Um, I, I still hope and believe that we as a council can take those decisions on behalf of the whole community um, because I believe it's the right thing for us to do. It's right for our communities that it should be decided democratically by locally elected people and that it shouldn't be decided by somebody in Whitehall, which I think is the alternative. It's inevitably going to be a deeply painful and unpleasant process for very many people. I'll echo the comments that Councillor Barker said three years ago. I don't think for one moment any of us thought we'd be dealing with 640 dwellings a year, the possibility of three new settlements. And I've made the comment once before, <clears throat> Uttlesford sadly isn't like Western Australia. There is almost nowhere that you can put scale development on this scale which doesn't affect somebody and affect them significantly. And so I have enormous sympathy and concern for, the, for local residents. They, they often feel very confused and feel that things are being done to them and it feels very unfair. The challenge for us is that the numbers are just simply larger than anything we have ever thought we would have to, to engage with. Um, the process that, that has been gone through at Planning Policy Working Group has been transparent and evidence-based and objective, and I'd like to thank officers and those councillors who've sat on that working party. I, I sat on it myself for a year, shortly after the inspector halted his inspection in, in 2014. Um, 
and I recognise the enormous amount of hard work that they've put in coming up with, with, with a local plan. I recognise that the local plan is more than just housing numbers and where we put housing, and we shouldn't lose sight of the fact. But most of all, we have to have a plan. Without a plan, we are at risk of, of not being able to control where our development goes. So as unpalatable as it is, as it, is it is the right thing for us to do. Um, I believe that the proposal for new settlements are the right ones for the reasons set out by Councillor Barker. Uh, on balance, none of the sites are perfect. I can think of many reasons why I'm unhappy with, with all of the ones and, and many of the recommendations, but I recognise that we have to come up with a, a balanced decision in the end. I recognise that it's probably impossible for us to reconcile the conflicting interests of all residents but that should not blind us from our responsibilities. So for those reasons, um, I'm, it's not a perfect plan. It can't be a perfect plan, but it's one that I will certainly be supporting at full council. And I hope that we as a community can also endorse it. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Councillor Lees. Actually, you, you said some of the things I was going to say. Being somebody that was on the end of a settlement where the, the, the truth be told, isn't it, it wasn't quite as evidence-based as, as, as one would like. I, I've been quite impressed with this, actually, and, and, and I've read quite a lot. But you are absolutely right. It is so unpalatable for so many people. And I actually said to one of the officers, you know, my, my gut doesn't like that. But the truth of the matter is my gut doesn't like it wasn't enough. But that, you know, that, that's how it is, and that's how it is for people. Um, I just want to clarify, and that is members of where I live have been asking this, and this is, and, and because historically, um, if in the consultation process people do come up with very good salient points, will they be taken on? And I, and I don't mean to be sounding challenging here, but in the past, we've, Elsom and Henham came up with some very salient points and they didn't seem to be addressed and, and that's been proven by the Secretary of State saying that, that you know, that, that was correct. And I am concerned that the points aren't taken and I really understand where Councillor Redfern's coming from having been there before and I, and I understand how your tummy's going. And we need to be sure here in this consultation that people really believe, and the gentlemen that are talking and the people that they really believe that if they come up with a point, if somebody from outside comes up with a point, it really will be taken. And, and one of the points that I've been asked to ask is if a village has been allocated 100 houses in this plan, and during that time somebody puts a planning application in for 200 houses in that area, does that mean that the 100 houses will then be taken out of the plan because their numbers have already been taken, the numbers have been achieved? Because otherwise there are certain areas, aren't there, that are going to be in a no-win. No it's a win-win for Utsford, but an absolute lose-lose for them. And I'll, I'll do my own place because that's obviously the easiest one, isn't it, to do. So let's say we have 40 and 220 come up and they're all approved for various reasons and then they get another 40 because it's in the plan. That's surely, there's something not right there for, for any village. I'm, not, I'm just using my own as an example. For, but, but for all of us where we live, if you've been allocated a number... And, that, and before the plan comes to fruition, that number has been achieved and gone over, then surely it's not right that it's still in the plan at the end. Sorry, that's a bit long-winded. Right, Councillor Barker. <laughs> uh, Chairman, as you know, I don't sit on the planning committee and uh, um, never have for various reasons here. But... Basically, in Uttlesford at the moment, there are very few sites that sit within development limits. So virtually any site that is going to come forward with planning is going to be outside development limits. The further this plan gets down the line, then the more weight it gains. So the likelihood of a separate site in Elsnum or Henham being given planning permission... Or no, no, or, or anywhere, or, or, or Dunmo... Yeah. 
um, that isn't contained within this is, is, you know, it reduces the further the plan goes down the line um, because there is no brownfield sites. If you look at any of the, um, you know, what we are planning here, this changes the development limits in, in various towns. If you look within a built-up area, you look within Newport, there is no other space within Newport to build 50 houses or 200 houses. I mean, there's no allocation in Newport, so, but there is nothing. Um, so anything that comes forward, yes, it, it may have good reasons, but if it had good reasons, why wouldn't it have been put forward as an allocation, and why would the officers not have allocated it? If they thought that it was available and achievable, they might well have allocated it. So there can't be many sites out there on the edge of villages that they think are available and achievable, or they would be in the plan. May I, sorry, may I just... Sorry, that, that's a really good politician answer, Councillor Barker, but it didn't really answer my question. My question is, if an area... You, you, you've done a what if, I, I'm going to say it specifically then, I will use a specific example. Um, let's say, I can take my own area then, that, that, that there's, there's a site for 120 that's been refused, that may come up again, that was refused because the building, um, Bovis Homes didn't come up with the detail that they should have. That's also been linked in with a village hall, there's a strong possibility it'll go in again, 120, so ask me what I don't really want to use us. So if that 120 is approved in the next two years, and there is a possibility that that will come up in the next year, then does the 40 come out? And I'm going to, and that's not just Elsom, it's anywhere. The question is, if numbers are allocated before the plan is finished, even if Great Chesterford found, you know, 70 houses, that could take 70 out, does it mean then that those numbers in the plan would be removed or would they stay in? I'll... Um let Mr. Harbour or Mr. Fox answer that question, um, because you're right to make the point that life carries on. Absolutely. So I know of two appeals. There may be a third one, Councillor Ranger. Is there a third appeal outstanding? But there's certainly two. There's certainly two appeals outstanding at the moment. So that would make a difference. There will most certainly be more planning applications that could potentially make a difference. Um, uh, uh, and you know the numbers and we must deliver those numbers uh, I, d I don't think there'll be s so many applications and so many successful applications that we will go from three to two settlements but whether it makes a material difference in some of the communities perhaps you could comment Mr Harper yes thank you leader uh, yes certainly if uh, more land is allocated or is committed for development by way of a planning permission whether that's through an appeal process or because the council uh, grants planning permission for an application that's been submitted, then that clearly is a material change in circumstances that will be taken into account in deciding what is contained within the Regulation 19 submission draft plan. In answer to your point about how real is, uh, the Regulation 18 is a dynamic consultation, so um, as opposed to Regulation 19, which is a consultation prior to submission. So, of course, we'll be listening most carefully, and it very much depends on the answer, doesn't it? If it's, I don't, I don't like it, that probably doesn't count as much as the points that Elston were making, which is that um, accessibility is an issue. Be controversial. You're not being controversial. No, these are all. These, it's it's very very important that. Um, and, and I'd just like to make another point because I talked about mitigation and community benefit, um, but I think it's terribly important that any community affected, and I address this as well to um, Great Dumbo uh, Town Council with your point, um, that. This absolutely has to be a two-way, well, actually a three-way discussion. So, so for the new settlements, it needs to be a discussion between the community, which is normally done through the parish council, but doesn't have to be, uh, or in your case, a town council, um, and uh, Uttlesford um, planners and, and members as well, and I invite this on a cross-party basis, um, and, and the developer, so that, you, you know, we are moving forward. We all understand uh, what the... what the requirements, the, the priorities, etc., are, um, and, I, and I think that's that's that, that, that's the way to 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 make this work. As I won't repeat uh, Councillor Howell's speech, but you know we're in a challenging situation, and we have to do this uh, on um, on a community basis. Other comments, Councillor Redfern. I appreciate that Councillor Ranger doesn't like to hear. Um comments that he thinks are a rehearsal but I'm going to carry on anyway um, 
garden community principles, I would like to understand how we capture the garden principles once we've gone past this once we've gone past this um, phase because if a site let's say um, the one at Eastern Park is allocated in this or is in this at what point do we capture the land value at the moment it's got agricultural land value at the end it's got housing value in the middle is the is the cap is the community value capture where do, where do we capture that because I feel that we need someone in in our team here that is dealing with this from now because these developers will have deep pockets and they will be onto it and trying to escape from the garden principles and I think that's you know I biggest thing for me is the garden principles because that makes these these three settlements so much more supportable but I want to I want to be absolutely certain that we have got the expertise within this council to deal with this so that we don't find ourselves having um, rings run round us because the developers are sharper than we are I'm sure I'm not and I'm not implying that anyone here is is um, failing in their job I just feel that we need someone that that is their job so there are three points here and um, I'll ask Mr Harborough and Mr Fox to comment. So if I can start, I think there are two principles around garden developments. Um, the first is the nine commandments of that, if I could use that expression. There are, there are nine particular principles, the first of which you touched on, which is capturing land value for the community. But there are the key points as well, which include design, sustainability, um, etc. So there's working to the principles. And then the second part of that is uh, to what extent the local community, by that uh, I particularly mean Uttlesford District Council, uh, would invest in that operation because potentially it might uh, give the community um, a very um, good medium to long term return. Now, uh, that requires very careful consideration uh, and expertise. So I totally concur with you uh, that um, in just the same way as we did with Aspire and the Little Chesterford Research Park analysis, um, we consulted uh, the legal experts that were required, the um, uh, the contract negotiation expert, uh, the financial expert, we would be doing exactly the same thing. And uh, sorry, I keep referring back to this conference uh, I've just been at, but last night uh, I was with the cabinet member for um, investment uh, and asset management at Braintree. And why, if we are going obviously to work closely with Braintree, as we will need to do, why wouldn't we be consulting the same experts on that point? So these are well-made points, um, and I, I, I know officers would, would want that expert perspective, external perspective, so uh, that, will, that, that absolutely will happen. Um, Mr Harbour, do you want to add to that? Yes, I mean, the focus at the moment for the Council is on putting in place um, a robust and sound policy framework planning policy framework um, for delivering growth. Um, the issue of how that growth is subsequently delivered is a related but separate matter. Um, there is a the relationship is that we need to be able to demonstrate that the um, assumed rates of supply from particular developments are realistic and the type of delivery arrangements that um, the council may put in place have a bearing on uh, how realistic the, 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 that supply may be. So we are going to have to advance the two things in parallel, but they are separate issues. And the focus tonight is on the planning policy framework. Thank you. Councillor Foley. Thank you very much. On that point, um, if a developer has had, say, issues um, which they have broken the commandments, as it were, in, in another situation, would that have a relevance to uh, whether uh, there would be the right people to do a development? I'll seek guidance from officers on that. Um, I mean, clearly, uh, one would want to be working with people uh, that um, uh, are respected um, and are considered um, highly professional in their field. 
Mr. Harbour, do you want to comment? Um, just make the point as a matter of principle, planning permission is not particular to the applicants. It goes with the land, and therefore whoever controls the land shouldn't be a material consideration as far as grants of planning permission is concerned. In terms of um, partner in a, a joint venture as part of a delivery arrangement, that's another matter, but I repeat, that's not what we're considering tonight. Sorry, I just need that. Yep. I'm so sorry about this. You're no, that's fine. Sorry you asked me to join this. No, no problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that being the case, it would, it, would, um, it would need to be tested, wouldn't it, if a developer has had maybe, a, I'm not saying any particular developer, but that has a, had a particularly um, either a poor record or not been not been delivered as promised. That must have a bearing on the decisions that the council would make, surely. Uh, well, I think Mr. Uh, Mr. Fox is moving to the microphone. He obviously wishes to speak. Yeah, I think going back to that point, um, to, to try and ensure we do uh, follow, in, make sure that Garden uh, City principles, that's the Town and Country Planning ter Association term, are followed, there's various mechanisms we can use. Firstly, we'd be writing into the policy itself that any, that any allocation needed to follow those principles. So in other words, ultimately, when it comes down to a planning application, if they weren't following those principles, there'd be a reason uh, to, to oppose that application. But being more proactive and positive, um, once an allocation is made, we'd be looking to um, get, and get master plans approved with the developers, which would enshrine the Garden City principles. And in other words, if they weren't prepared to, if I can use a bit of slang, deliver the goods, as it were, chairman, then the master plans, which would ultimately then inform the planning applications, wouldn't get through the process. So, so there, is, there are checks and balances, even though Mr Harbour is absolutely right, it, it does follow the land rather than who the applicant is. But clearly, um, if these allocations are made, we will know who we, who we are dealing with um, and we will know um, as, as officers what, you know, what, what they've achieved in the past. Um, and clearly we'd be bearing that in mind. I'm just choosing my words carefully there, Chairman. Um, and uh, as well, there would be um, once, and, and master planning would be a matter that for the council to improve and endorse. So there'd be a democratic input into that. And finally, uh, going right up to the planning application stage, legal agreements could also enshrine some of those principles such as design codings and things like that so so, so to answer your question directly and, and Mr Harbour is absolutely right uh, we can't say uh, you, you, you've had a bad track record so we're, we're not going to deal with you although funnily enough I think there was a clause in the, the housing bill um, there, was, there was reference made to that fact but, but nothing specific so, so I just, I'm just trying to hopefully give, give you some comfort there that, that there are mechanisms we can use to, to ensure that those principles are followed Thanks. Do you want to drop a chair? Might be helpful. Um, Councillor Brass. Um, I, from, I, I think I'm going to support this um, going for consultation. Um, I, I see that a lot of the hard work has been done on evidence, and I won't reiterate what uh, Councillor um, Howell said, um, but I do share the concerns of Councillor Redfern and also Councillor Lees. Uh, I think that, um, that, that, that the hard thing has been done, we've chosen or we're looking at places where we think the houses could go, but the next step is how, how we uh, work with these developers and do have some sort of control that the, the Golden Garden principles are adhered to. And also something that we've not really touched on is how do we get these guys to uh, keep up with the build-out rate that we want. Okay, how do, how do we make sure that they, um, they they're considerate in what they're doing, the way that they they build these 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 um, uh, garden cities? I, I think maybe that will come out during the consultation because I'm sure that the general public are not stupid. They will be asking and worried about these sort of questions. And but I would like to think that it's a good idea, as Councillor Redfern said, is to appoint somebody who will be there to guide this process through for as long as they can, and also put in some rules that we need to work with the developers and they can be carefully monitored. It is a 16-year process uh, we're looking at here. We're not going to get 6,000 houses appearing in the next couple of years. So in some ways it does allow us, the residents to get used to the whole idea of there are going to be additional houses. 
as unpalatable as they are, but I think we as a council have a duty to make sure that over the next 16 years that we are, we are, we are looking at every check and balance, uh, balance and ticking all the boxes and making sure that, that, this, that we make sure that they deliver what we want. That's all I'd say. No, thanks. Um, and obviously, <coughs> the process will carry on for, well, for longer than 16 years, but um, it's very important that uh, the agreement is right at the beginning so that you can come back to the agreement and, and hold. And I think Mr. Fox outlined that, in, and particularly in the master planning process. Um, I'm not sure that we'll be uh, you know, recruiting somebody to be the single focus of that. It will be a project team, but nevertheless, the point has been made and I think um, offices are, uh, are um, working on this uh, as literally as we speak in terms of having uh, expertise to guide us through um, that. Um, Councillor Redfern. Don't look at me like that. Oh. Um, the, uh, so I t well, uh, this is my last point this evening because I don't want to hold everybody up on my um, things. I will talk more next week but I've this the garden community principles, as they're called in this document, they don't seem like there's very much detail in here. And I, you know, it really concerns me. I don't want us to have people wriggling off the hook. I think we need the detail of what we're expecting in this document so that there is no question what we want out of these garden, garden communities. There's, there's very, it's, you know, it's open to interpretation this and I think there needs to be more detail. I just don't think there's enough clarity on the key principles. Do of you gentlemen want to comment on that? I mean, what I would say is that this, this absolutely is an iterative exercise. So it was only two weeks ago that uh, the three areas learnt that they were the three areas. Uh, so in preparation for that, uh, you do X amount of work. Uh, in preparation for Regulation 19, you do Y amount of work. And in preparation for a very detailed planning application, you do Z amount of work. So absolutely, this, this, this builds, builds as we go. But they are quite important, actually. Yes, you're right insofar that it says it should be good design. Uh, as a, as a, but you know, what, what's the interpretation of that? Actually, we had a long discussion at Planning Policy Working Group. Um, that, that, that's probably one of the most difficult things to define because your idea of good design may be totally different to my idea of good design. And uh, but. So, so I think there's, there's a degree of subjectivity in it, but some of the core principles that you're talking about, which is in terms of uh, land value capture, will very much depend, obviously, in terms of who puts up the money, um, but also in terms of the shape and the overall design, never mind uh, whether it's X or Y design, but whether the roads are wide enough, because we had a long discussion um, last week uh, that... Um, in an ideal scenario, the roads, all the roads would be wide enough to take four cars, basically. So two going up and down and two pa and parking on either side, because uh, otherwise we know what happens. So, you, you know, these kind of principles, to what extent that uh, we'll be able to negotiate that? And the answer is probably not every road will be four cars wide. But in principle, that would be certainly something um, in, in dealing around parking that we'd want to focus on most carefully. The public space. When does the school come on stream? Uh, how good is the is the uh, public transport? All the things that have been promised, etc. and so forth. So. All of that is absolutely fundamental to a garden development as opposed to a routine housing estate. Mr Fox. Yes, sorry, just if I, if I may briefly come back, Chairman. Yes, I should have uh, earlier said, of course, the housing white paper rather than the housing bill. There is a, <laughs> there's a fundamental difference there. Um, and, and going back to, to Councillor Redfern's comments about expertise, um, it, it, it's not as if Huttlesford is, is the only council any local authority undertaking this sort of work at the moment. There's a lot of good practice out there. And uh, can, uh, Councillor Barker and I um, at the co-op board meeting last week, um, we, Councillor Barker accepted that we, we get observer status on the Gilston Garden community, which, which is ahead, ahead of us in that sense, just outside Harlow. So, so there's a lot of good practice and a lot of things we can learn as well as actually pulling people in chairman uh, and the same point of course goes for west of braintree and so far they're at regulation 19 so they're about a year ahead of us yeah councillor foley just a very quick one um <clears throat> let's just pause for a moment if, if if we may that this 
that we hear from everybody. The consultation goes according to plan insofar as we, we get uh, really good feedback. And then we decide that one of them, or more than one, say one of the sites, is not going to work for some reason. What is the plan B? Is there a plan B? Well, again, I'll, I'll refer to officers, but I absolutely have to stress the importance of finding a plan for 6,100 houses. Otherwise, you will get development that you do not want. Now, That's not I now I'm getting to what you ask, um, but I think you absolutely have to stay focused on that point. Yeah. It's fundamental. I don't, uh, and I'll say this publicly now, I don't actually believe that DCLG will come in and do it for us. Um, I think that mo moment has gone. I think they've moved on from that. But what you absolutely will have is um, you won't have a five-year land supply, so any development will be almost impossible to defend. So um, in answer to your question, if X doesn't work, then you'll have to find Y. And um, on the basis that we have um, eliminated, we could review those areas that we've eliminated and with huge investment in terms of infrastructure, there might be a possibility, but I think there are very powerful cases for those that have been, the four that have been eliminated, very powerful cases. So probably plan B, but um, I'll let officers comment. And I don't want to be held to account of this, but it's a sort of natural sequence, isn't it? If it's not new settlement, then it's dispersal within existing communities. Mr. Arbor. I think those members who've been uh, fully involved in, in the plan preparation process will appreciate that uh, the draft plan which we've got now is based on, upon a very thorough examination of all the reasonable alternatives and an assessment of each of those alternatives against each, each other. And whilst yeah, there will always be some limited scope for adjustment to the set of proposals, I think uh, members will appreciate that actually, um, as far as a, a radically different approach is concerned, that option isn't available because when we looked at all the alternatives, so many of them were constrained in uh, one way or the other, uh, typically uh, strategic uh, transport network capacity. Um, there isn't going to be a great deal of, of choice, uh, chance of re-examining uh, some of the more strategic elements of the approach, I would suggest. Thank you. Councillor Ranger, and I'm, unless anybody's got a burning point, because I'm conscious that we'll be doing this again next week. Yeah. Uh, Councillor Ranger, maybe the last wanted, comment. I just wanted to try and ease um, Councillor Redfern's concerns, if that's at all possible, um, and refer her to page 32 of the document, Spatial Strategy Poli Policy SP5. Second paragraph, prior to any planning applications being considered, detailed development frameworks for each of the garden communities will be prepared as development plan or supplementary planning documents and adopted by the local planning authority, demonstrating how the development accords with the garden city principles defined by the Town and Country Planning Association or subsequent upgraded guidance. Now, if you want to include all the detail, this document is going to be about this thick and no one will ever read it all. The, the reference is in there as to what we expect, and then each development goes through. I mean, that's what people have got to understand. The detail is in there. You've just got to read it and understand it and look for what answers your questions. Really okay, simple. we've had a very good discussion. Um, there's more to do, more to come. I think we all understand that. Very good points have been made. They will all be taken into account. People need reassurance, um, uh, not least around what we mean by garden development. Um, so I'm going now to uh, put the recommendation to you. I won't read it out again because we've read it out twice. Um, so those, we have a proposer, Councillor Barker, a seconder, Councillor Ranger. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you. Uh, we now move on to item six, and I call upon Councillor Barker again to talk through the LDA. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Chairman, before I move on, just uh, to mention that you did say there was a tabled sheet of very small amendments to um, the 
consultation. Um, I think there are some important bits that we didn't actually bring out. Uh, one around the airport that we acknowledge that around the airport that it is the accepted um, 35 million that we, have, we are considering in the plan rather than any higher number that may come forwards and uh, some of the other amendments which I put forward that's great that they have been taken on board so those will be appended to the minutes of this meeting for clarification for people. Um, the local development scheme chairman yes basically th this is a scheme um, that sits behind the plan it has the details of the policies what will be amended deleted replaced um, and all the the town and parish plans and the Dumber neighborhood plan that's been referred to earlier sit behind needed to be amended at this time chairman just to reflect the updated timetable and those the the timetable that you will find on the second page there now states that consultation will happen during July to August uh, regulation 18 uh, over the winter we will do regulation 19 consultation in the spring there will be a regulation 22 local plan submission summer next year start hopefully for the hearings of the public examination uh, during the winter of 2018 the inspectors report following the adoption hopefully in spring 2019 nearly two years away chairman but this is the time that it takes um, so this is just a recommendation that the cabinet approves the revised LDS. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, before I come on to the LDS itself, um, I will just make uh, one announcement, which is that the consultation is now running from July until September. Se September. So uh, the original date to conclude was August the 29th. It has been extended to 5 o'clock on Monday, September the 4th. We've had a number of comments about this. Um, we obviously do need to stay within our overall timetable, uh, but we feel we can relax it by what's the best part of a week. It takes us well over the statutory period. I'm conscious about August, but it does, all being well, start on July the 12th and go through to September the 4th. So hopefully there won't be too many people who are on holiday for seven weeks, or if they are, good luck to them. Um, so um, the, L, uh, the LDS uh, itself, as you're all aware, is an iteration of the previous scheme. Um, it's, it's been well discussed uh, by Council. Um, it takes account of uh, one or two updates, but its principles are consistent. So I don't know if there are any comments around that. It was discussed uh, at PPWG as well. Uh, so uh, your recommendation that Cabinet adopt the revised uh, local development scheme. Could I have a seconder to? Councillor Howell is seconding. Councillor Barker has uh, proposed. Uh, those in favour? I, I beg your pardon. Sorry, Councillor Redfern. <coughs> Um, I appreciate that um, we're talking of extending it, to, or we're saying it's going to be extended to the 4th of September, but I am a member who has six parish councils, and um, four of which have already had their July meeting, and they don't, most of them don't have an August meeting. So um, I'm, I don't think that we've extended it far enough that... Um, in fact, the other two, one meets tomorrow evening and the other one meets next Wednesday, so, and they don't have an August meeting, so they will not have the opportunity as parish councils um, unless they call an extraordinary meeting, I suppose, but they, they, they will not have this before they go close for the summer. Uh, I, I guess the response there is that we, we've heard the comment about uh, time, We've tried to be as understanding and as flexible as possible, which is why we've extended it. Beyond that uh, would um, disrupt the timetable. Um, my only comment would be, obviously, you know, we've known this has been coming for quite some time. Um, there is time in July, and, and, and for those councils that consider this to be particularly important, obviously there is an opportunity to have a special meeting. I'm, I'm not being dismissive here. I'm very sensitive to this, but um, we've taken account. We've extended as far as we could, so um, I, I don't think we can go any further without disrupting the overall timetable. Any other comments? Okay. 
Those in favour that Cabinet adopt the revised local development scheme. Those against? Those abstaining? One abstention, Councillor Redfern. Thank you. We now move on to item seven, uh, which is um, Braintree District Council draft local plan consultation. Are you taking this one, Councillor Barker? Yeah, so. Okay, thank you. Um, yes, Chairman, this is just a request that Cabinet delegates to the Assistant Director of Planning in conjunction with myself and Oh, sorry, to the Director of Public Service in consultation with yourself and myself, um, the response to the Braintree Regulation 19 consultation. Unfortunately, because we've been busy doing this work, we haven't had time in detail to pull up a response to the Regulation 19 consultation. So the recommendation is that Cabinet delegates to the authority to the Director of Public Services in consultation with the leader and portfolio holder for environmental services to respond formally to Braintree District Council. Anybody? Uh, first of all, do I have a seconder to that? Councillor Ranger. Anybody wish to comment on it? Chairman, if I may, just one point. Yeah, sure. Right at the end of the report, clearly we, we're more than happy to take on board comments that individual members might want to feed, feed through to us as part of, as part of that process. It's, it's, it won't be just a three-way What decision. is the deadline to? 28th of July. Fine. Okay. So I think we should advertise that we'll be responding by the 28th of July, and if any you know, member, that's a collective council members? Yeah, okay, I think we should put that out. Councillor Redfern. So could we have sight of your comments before they go in so that then if we have got a comment to make, then we can make it before you put your comments in, if that makes sense. Yeah, as long as people comment very quickly because by the time they've been put together, we'll be up against the deadline, but we'll, we'll, we will do that. So two things there, two actions, Peter. Uh, one is that... Um, we let all councillors know what's happening um, and secondly we give them a chance for to comment but the chance will be on a quite a tight time frame okay thank you any other comments those in favor carried unanimously thank you very much indeed um, item eight is any other items uh, considered to be urgent i'm not aware of any so i thank you and uh, we look forward to the um council meeting uh, on the 11th next week. Thank you very much for your time and uh, for the outside speakers to officers and those who have listened. Thank you.